Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Good. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, it's very, very simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us are experiencing something for the first time, and we're going to talk about it. No surprise, today's guest is my wife, Nikki. Hi! And (laughs) if you've been following along, this shouldn't be a surprise, but... This was a topic we were not sure we were going to cover. We've discussed it on the last three episodes we've done together, and it actually hit Netflix, so we decided we would give it a try. And it's not technically my first time, um, but it's been long enough that I did not remember most of this movie, so uh, technically it's sort of my first time, or um, a Mm. first-time rewatch, I guess. Yeah. But first time for Nikki... And I knew going in, this was not going to be a fun experience, but... Um, it, it was a fun experience, because, I, I mean... It, we'll get into it, okay? Yeah. Today's topic is the next Karate Kid. Focus. prepared Miyagi to face anything, but nothing can prepare him for the next Karate Kid. Mr. Miyagi is teaching you karate, huh? Not at all. If I try to kiss you, will you use it? He's like no student he's ever had. I was going to... What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? We have much to learn about the girl. Oh, it's easier. He's like no teacher she's ever seen. Would you believe it? I'm dancing. Together, they'll face a challenge. You start hanging out with me and my friends, you can have any damn thing that you want. Like nothing they've ever known. Let's go, McAllen. An ancient tradition True strength come from inside Is about to collide Come on guys, With a new generation Who's hiding? You put her away Notice that kind of stuff, girls, Jim The next Karate Kid Okay, so The Next Karate Kid released September 9th, 1994, five years after The Karate Kid Part 3. Had a budget of $12 million, made $8.9 million in the U.S., so it was the first, not only the worst performing Karate Kid movie, but the first one to actually lose money. Oh, man. Um, We'll talk a little bit about why that might have been later. Okay. Um, But... Written by Mark Lee, who only has a total of three IMDb credits. Aww. Like, total including this movie. So, The Next Karate Kid, Fortunes of War, and Hostage Negotiator. I don't know either of those other two movies, and there's probably a good reason why. Um, directed by Christopher Kane, who actually has done some pretty big movies. Um, his biggest is probably... 
besides this, uh, Young Guns with Emilio and about a million other uh, handsome young men in a modern Western. And then he did uh, the movie Gone Fishing with Danny Glover and Joe Pesci in the 90s. So I remember. I don't know if I, I don't saw remember that. the movie. I remember the cover, though. Yes, right? I remember the cover. Pretty corny stuff. Yeah. Um, they they um, if I remember right, they went fishing. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And yeah, they, I'm guessing um, Joe Pesci was pissed off. Yeah, that's yeah, you've seen it. I feel that's like I have because that cover, but um, <laughs> starring Pat Morita as Miyagi returning one more time in his final film as Miyagi. Um, I don't I'm sure they would have made more after this if this movie made money. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, too. But um, this also stars a young Hilary Swank as Julie Pierce, um, a very famous actor named Michael Ironside as Dugan. He was in a lot of um, really big films like Top Gun and uh, what else was he in? Starship Troopers, Total Recall, Scanners. I mean, the guy's list is pretty damn impressive. And this a bummer he's in this um has chris conrad as eric um and you right away when we were watching this was like is he like 27 he's supposed to be in high school yeah i don't like like usual a lot of the i assume they're supposed to be teenage guys are definitely in their 20s yeah i you were pretty close he was 24 because he was born in 1970 so when this was filmed he was 24 mm, okay um and then michael cavallari as ned and then a young very young walter goggins um credited as walt goggins in this as charlie and uh walter goggins is probably like i mean hillary swanks won an oscar but walter goggins is has as, as right now maybe besides maybe michael ironside has the most lucrative career. So it's interesting to see, like, people went on from this piece of shit and actually had careers. Uh, Michael Ironside came into this with a career. I'm surprised it didn't end it. But, uh, yeah, interesting that Hillary Swank and Walter Goggins went on to do much bigger things. And Hillary Swank actually went on, like, five years later or something to be in Clint Eastwood's boxing movie, um, Million Dollar Baby. Um, where she's trained by an old guy to box instead of karate. Wow, where'd they get that idea? And she won an Oscar for it. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, huh? They probably hmm. just ripped this movie off, they Clint Eastwood. The off. But, uh, yeah, I guess we should get into the story of this true turd. <laughs> so, um, like I said earlier, this was directed by Christopher Kane. So this is the first one. That is not written by Mark Robert Mark Kamen and uh, is not directed by the original director. So uh, John G. Avildsen. Um, I, that, that's actually in my trivia later, but I thought it was important to sort of address it right off the bat because this movie is very clearly not up to the standard. Like we sort of made fun of Karate Kid Part Three at times, but holy shit, this movie makes that look like oscar bait like oh yeah this movie sucks it's, right up it's it sucks it's not a good movie no and it's very i feel like it's very uh aimed more towards children i think definitely ways. the humor the humor is just very immature and stupid and uh it just 
I feel bad for Pat Morita because what a waste of Miyagi. Yeah. Like, it feels like a movie. It, it's it's on the Home Alone 3 level of bad. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, they didn't put much creativity into it. It just kind of follows the formula. And they think they just can just plug, yeah, plug anything into this formula and have a successful Karate Kid movie. Yeah, and I it mean. flopped. It sucks because it's like. The only real connecting factor to this movie um, in the original trilogy is Pat Morita. So yeah. I sort of wish he would have just n- not done it. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like sort of, I mean, le- to a way lesser extent, but it feels like the sequels, like Halloween 4 through 6, when um, Donald Pleasance came back as Dr. Loomis and he's like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter, everyone had jumped ship. Yeah. At that point, and he was just sort of coming back for like a paycheck. Uh-huh. Uh and it's crazy to think like and, and I mean the same thing it goes on with the Rocky series, all these things, but like Pat Morita won an Oscar or was nominated for a fucking Oscar for the Karate Kid, and then you watch this only three films later, part four, and it's like I don't know if he was, but he should have been nominated for some Razzies because there was just even his like and it's not his his performance, but the writing of Miyagi in this doesn't even feel I like feel, Miyagi. Yeah, I feel like they make him a little bit more stereotypical. Oh, yeah. it's mm. <laughs> they, they sort of like, yeah, just sort of lean into the Miyagi stuff like too hard, like a parody of Miyagi almost. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah. We'll, we'll I, can, to, I, I can think about the bird. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's just some really corny shit, but this does. It's not like I, I was sort of curious look like going into this i couldn't remember how it connected like i mean i knew it had miyagi in it but i didn't know if it like actually was canon like if it connected to the original three uh-huh. movies and he does mention daniel um yeah. and his past and stuff so it definitely is a sequel to part three mm-hmm. um and to think it's only five years later that's a shorter distance than like part one and three yeah so like this is this was like i mean five years wasn't that long you think like They've brought Halloween back. All these old, these old um, sort of franchises they're reviving now that are really old. They're bringing back is like, I mean, Karate Kid. They came back with Cobra Kai. All those like thirty years after the first. And it's like, it seems like such a huge gap between Karate Kid three and this, as right. far as time and way films are made. It's like this is the most uh, dated of the the whole damn franchise. It just feels so bad. Yeah, like, like the style, the era. It's right. just like. Yeah, it's definitely went from like eighties to nineties. Yeah, and hard. Like, yeah. At least the original, like the original Karate Kid. I mean, even the part two, like, really still holds up. Um, they they had some bad stereotypes of the the time in part three, but uh, like the first two to me still feel pretty modern. I mean, yeah, they're little, they're kind of it's kind of timeless. Right. I mean, there's some of it is like very eighties, but it's but this is holy fuck is bad like. <laughs> There's no saving it. And so it, it, I heard it, I heard it went up to Netflix. And so I was like, fuck it, let's watch it. It's only like an hour and a half long or mm-hmm. hour, 40 minutes. And it provided us actually, to be honest, it provided us a whole lot of laughs. Yes. We had fun watching it because it was like, holy fuck, how does this happen? It's yeah. so bad. Oh, it's just, it's like, did, did they feel stupid? taking it so seriously <laughs> i don't know i'm sure the cast like looks back on it is like what was that like nobody 
ever really talks about this one. Mm-mm. It is sort of like the I mean, people like to crap on three because I think they expected more out of it with, um, you know, um, Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. But man, I think I can't say enough bad things about this movie. I, well, I saw I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes just to score. And I think this one had seven, seven percent and part three had 15 percent. So, so it's double. It's double. Yeah, it's like double as bad. Yeah, or or half as good, depending as on good. if you're an optimist or a pessimist. Yeah. But um, we'll get to the story here. So it starts off right away at like this military um event, this like ceremony, and they're honoring. Uh, they're in Boston, and they're honoring Miyagi for his time in the military. And uh, it's like outside in this nice sunny weather, and we. Which really seemed right away very uncharacteristic because um, Daniel was the one that had to hang up Miyagi's Medal of Honor. He found it in like a shoebox in the first movie Mm -hmm. um, when he was drunk. Like Miyagi basically tried to hide that part of his life because he felt like he just did something. um, He didn't feel like he should be honored for it. He's like, I did what I needed to do. Um, It was part of serving the country. Uh He was very humble and he hated that uh, Medal of Honor. He was not proud of it. and so right away, they're like breaking the character like he would to me, Miyagi wouldn't even show up to this kind of thing. He would be like, you know, no, thanks. But no, thanks. This is not my scene. I don't want to be because it's re- really just like bring him up and parade him around type thing. Right. Uh, not his not his thing. But anyways, they they have this big event. And that's where we meet um, Louisa Pierce, who was married to um, Jack, who was like Miyagi's best friend in the military. Um, they sort of just gloss over this real quick, like, yeah, you know, your grand, like Jack was a lieutenant in, uh, or was a, a commanding officer and a lieutenant and Miyagi served. So they're sort of sharing a moment. She's like an older widow now. Um, and so she go. they're in Boston. They go back to her like humongous mansion, basically. Uh, she's very well off rich and. Having dinner with Miyagi and sharing old war stories and stuff. And this is where we meet our next karate kid, Julie. Um, very typical 90s teenager. Like, grandma is her, her grandma's like, you know, oh, I really wish my granddaughter was here to meet you. But who knows where she's off to? Yeah, she she's, has a very 90s rebellious kid attitude. Yeah, she like storms into the house. And of course, she's like... Julie, I would like you to meet your grandfather's best friend from the war, Mr. Miyagi. And she's like, hi. Anyways, I need to go to the fridge and get food for my friend, mm-hmm. Angel or whatever. Yeah, Angel. And of course, uh, right away, I'm like, shit, does she have like a homeless friend or something? Like, yeah. that's nice of her to be getting food, but her. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I, I gotta go get food for my friend. Like, you're as a teenager, right? I don't know. Like, <laughs> just that, weird. That's not like a rebellious thing to me. Yeah. Like, like I, I, you would think she'd just be like storm off to a room, and be like, leave me alone. I'm going to my room to listen to heavy metal music and yeah, play uh, air guitar. Yeah, and talk to boys on AOL or something. <laughs> but um, no, she's like gathering food in her backpack. And of course, her grandma's pissed at her, like, what is your deal? You never talk to me anymore. And there's this really stupid scene right here in the hallway where they the writers were clearly like, how can we fit as much backstory into one fucking line of the whole movie? And she's like, you know how hard it is when my parents 
both tragically died in a car wreck in 1993 in front of it. Like she, she like goes on a spiel and it's a really stupid And now line. you, my grandma, you're raising me. Right. And it's like, whoa, we just got the entire um, story we've been wondering in one angry line from uh, Julie. Mm-hmm. So backstory's covered in one line. Thanks, writers. I guess they're like, fuck it. Let's get this over with. Um, you know, no backstory, no like taking the time to develop the character. Just throw it out there in one line and a throwaway, like as she's storming out the door. Mm-hmm. So she gets out and she storms off and uh, Miyagi's like, you know, Miyagi understand, teenager angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very typical shit. But um, this is when he's like, uh, he's like, um, I have solution. And I was really confused about this until actually after the movie, when I started reading this, he pulls out some flowers from like a bouquet in the house and he's like, um... Me, I have I Miyagi have idea, tend to flowers in California, water flowers, and I thought he meant Julie. Like I thought he was going to take the granddaughter, like he was going, he was physically going to be like, make her go with me, sort of like, oh, you know, we're going back to California, and she'll like she'll water my flowers, and it will become some kind of fucking karate <laughs> lesson because yeah. he's into child labor. So I was like. <laughs> Miyagi's literally going to drive her back to California from Boston to water his plants and suddenly she'll know fucking Taekwondo or some shit. But no, later I found out, I, I put two and two together. I'm like, oh, he, I guess he just made the grandma like go back to California, his place, which is weird. Yeah, he's like, I'll just stay with your granddaughter that I've never actually met. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, and it just... It it just seemed very um uh, not not unusual to anyone. Right, like she didn't question it. She was like, I mean, he he sort of there is a moment where she's like, you know, she hates me and I hate her. Um, <laughs> like she says something like that, but she's like, you know, but we we do love each other, but we're learning to hate each other because we're both stuck in our pain. Like she's sad about her husband mm-hmm. dying, and she's starting to sort of hate her granddaughter, like because she's a fucking bitch all the time which teenage mm-hmm. girls are and it's like when she comes when she comes back she's like Miyagi's going to stay here for a while and I'm going to leave and I'm like what the, you're just leaving like you just really met Miyagi I mean we know yeah. Miyagi pretty well yeah, know that, we, that he's good but like do you really want to leave your teenage granddaughter with some old guy like yeah that's uh, that's, it's, that's mm-hmm. not a solution to her having like being depressed like and as if that was me I was a teenager I would flip out like 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 you're you're what you're leaving me with who yeah i don't know this old guy like why would you do this to me i would be so uncomfortable like (laughs) yeah and so um yeah that that is just set right there like that's where our story begins it's so simple and easy that they Mm -hmm. sort of gloss over it so um then we sort of get to know julie like we find out that when she's taking that food she sneaks to the um, school what she like is going to like a military like boarding type school mm-hmm. and she she like goes into the community she breaks into a side window up the steps to the roof of the building and we find out who the food was really for it's a hawk named angel angel very it, very 90s very 90s like <laughs> if she if they could find out a way figure out a way for her to have a pet butterfly i bet they would have but they're like shit we can't make that realistic so i guess we'll make it a bird How's your wing? does it feel any better come here can you come to me come here hop to my hand oh good girl let's go for a walk okay 
another argument with my grandmother tonight. I wish my parents were still here. Everything wouldn't be so messed up. You know, if they found out you were here, they'd take you away. Wouldn't that be awful? Some small cage, wouldn't know anybody. So she has a pet angel, a big <laughs> pet bird that has a broken wing. And for some reason, they have these giant cages on the roof. Yeah, I don't know who they're for. Yeah, I don't Just, get if they were like at one point like messenger pigeons or something. Oh. But, you know, because military <laughs> schools are old and stuff, I assumed that. But um, the secret a, government messenger pigeons. Pretty big, pretty big, uh, you know, reach. But anyways. She's, you know, secretly feeding this bird and it's really sort of hilarious right away because she's like, yeah, Angel, I can tell you everything. You're my best friend um, and you can't fly away because you have a broken wing. It's like, oh, this is sad. Like yeah. <laughs> her only friend is a bird and that can't get away because it has a broken wing, which where did she get it? Like, I, I think she found it or something. She found a but fucking hawk and now it trusts her. Would it would it be more convenient to bring the hawk home? Yeah, I mean, she lives in a fucking mansion. Her grandma hates her. Like, throw that motherfucker yeah, in a like, spare room. Yeah, like, I'm sure room. grandma could, like, yeah, put in a spare room, buy a cage. And yeah. you don't have to break in and or travel town. Find find somewhere, like, a friend's house. I mean, I guess she doesn't really have friends. But, like, no. find somewhere to fucking put this bird other than the roof of the it's, school. It's just, yeah, that's what I thought was odd. It's like, she's breaking into school to take care of a bird that they don't even know that they have. It's not, it's not, like... It's, it's not even a, like it's not even a crime. Like yeah, it's like she's not she's keeping. <laughs> it's her choice to keep the bird there, right? And she's breaking in to take care of it. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, it's really <laughs> strange. But anyways, uh, she's she's in there taking care of Angel. That's how we learn a little backstory. She's she has no friends besides this bird. Um, <laughs> uh, and then at school Aww. she she meets and befriends this boy named Eric. Um, the, the principal basically is like, Eric, make sure that Julie goes to class because there's this asshole sort of bully jock idiot that keeps sort of picking on her. Um, his name doesn't even matter. I have it somewhere on here, but I don't really give a fuck because this movie's stupid. <laughs> uh, but there's like this greasy black haired dude. It's really confusing because all these guys look like they're in their 30s. Mm -hmm. Um and it's like, what kind of school is this? Because they're all learning, like, how to beat each other's ass. Like, they're, like, yeah. taking, like, MMA courses in a school. And they're all dressed in. But it's like, if this is, like, a boarding school or a military school, like, no one dresses in uniform besides these guys. They're wearing, like, black T-shirts with almost, like, swastika-looking armbands. Yeah. They're, they're, like, in almost in Nazi gear. It's really hard. It's really confusing. Like, what? where is this? What is this? Um... I, I was reading a little bit. And it's like uh, it's a it's a school security fraternity, the alpha elite. The members are taught to enforce the school rules, mostly by using physical force by self-styled Colonel Paul Dugan, who is played by Michael Ironside. Um, so he's like the main villain. He's a he's the crease of this movie. Yes. Um, the, the guy who's too rough on his students and expects them to. I mean, they try so hard to like basically cover the formula of the first insect like basically the first movie uh they basically try to redo like karate kid with this and it's so bad like 
you know, we have that that main asshole that is picking on Julie is like the Johnny, and then we have mm-hmm. the Crease, and then he we have like the other Cobra Kai, but instead of Cobra Kai, it is this fraternity, like the Alpha Elite instead of Cobra Kai. It's like so lazy. The writing is so lazy. Right. Um but you know they're they're picking on her basically uh relentlessly she meets eric and she sort of has a crush on eric uh she eventually like one day follow like refuses to leave until he agree like he catches her feeding the hawk or something and she's like you know i'm not going to leave until you promise you won't tell about angel and of course that leads to like him driving her all the way to where he works on the trains and we get a little we get more backstory on him than we ever do on julie actually cuz he's yeah. like you know, I grew up at some point. Dad left the house. Um, I had to start working to take care of the family. Um, but, you know, I want to become like a, I don't remember uh, in the Air Force. I want to be like a fighter pilot. All this. It was like why, we're learning so much about him. And we learned like one in one line Julie's entire past. Yeah, I don't feel like he even really. And he doesn't he, matter. Yeah, he doesn't really matter. Um, I, I mean. If it like they, they, I mean, they literally just try to flip the script. Like she plays the Daniel character, and this is Daniel's girl, girlfriend, but it's a boy mm-hmm. this time around. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, we get some scenes where this Colonel Paul Dugan is um, basically a complete dickhead. He is threatening Julie like with suspension. Like one more mistake, you're out of here. Um, and then uh. One day, Julie is having a big fight with Miyagi. Um, they're having a big disagreement, and, and it's this is another really fucking stupid scene. And she, like, storms out of the house and runs without looking right into the street. Oh, which, yeah. What are you doing? Where was she even going? To the neighbor's house across the street? Like, why wouldn't she run down the sidewalk? I don't know. She runs directly into the street, and it's so corny. Um, there's a pizza delivery guy, of course, because it's in the 90s, and... Any second you can see a pizza delivery guy. They were like gods in the 90s. And uh, he's flying down the street in a shitty car. And she sees him right in time and does a karate jump in the air like a tiger pose. And lands on his hood. Julie-san. 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 Will you just stay out of my life? Stop telling me what to do. Not try to tell you nothing. Try to teach you something. Teach me? Look at you. You can't even speak English. Oh wow. I'm really sorry. Are you okay? okay. Are you okay? I'm, I'm really sorry. She Julie. came out of nowhere, man. I didn't even see her. You're not hurt? I said I was okay. Hey, hey, look, look, look. I'm really Listen, man. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I just got to deliver this pizza down the road and my boss has been kind of on my case, you know. And I've been having trouble with my Julie, I got to go. I'm sorry. Are you sure you're okay? does tell me i made another mistake julie you're so thoughtless julie you lost your temper again julie sam miyagi no need say nothing you're doing very nice job thank you you're not gonna say anything mm, have small question where you learn that learn what jump into tiger position when car almost hit you they no teach that kind of stuff girls jim I don't know what you're talking about. I just 
reacted. And of course, Miyagi's watching. And instead of um, apologizing to the poor pizza driver who nearly killed someone and is probably has a dented car and is late to his delivery, mm. they're like, Julie, why do you learn crouching tiger's pose or whatever? Uh, that leads us to the karate part. So it's yeah, like, she's like, oh, I learned some karate. Yeah. I thought we were just playing games when I was little. Yeah, anyway. we do. We do get a little backstory here where we go into the house and Miyagi's being nosy and looking at family photos. Uh, and she's like. You know, me, my dad used to sort of teach me like play in karate uh, because my grandpa learned it. And of course, grandpa's the one that was in the military with Miyagi. So it's like what we thought at at the beginning of the Karate Kid franchise was like oh there's like one guy that knows miyagi though uh -huh. that knows the miyagi karate like over the course of these movies we learned like it was just being handed out willy-nilly like it's not that special anymore everyone knows it like julie thought it was fucking like patty cake playing <laughs> um so of course she's like you know just sort of like sam is on um cobra kai it's like oh you know my dad taught me a little karate here and there when i was a kid now i can jump over pizza cars <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but um anyways miyagi's really impressed with her big jump onto the pizza car so he's like you know maybe do you want to or no he actually this is really another really stupid thing um he actually doesn't suggest it i was going to say that he did but um she's like so you know suddenly her script is completely flipped she went from like the angry teenager to um now that she knows that she can jump onto cars she's like Hey, Miyagi, do you think you could teach me karate? And Miyagi being Miyagi is like, uh, you turn in one math paper, Miyagi teach you one lesson. And she's <laughs> like, how about, or he's like, you know, you turn in four math papers. And she's like, how about two math papers? He's like, three math paper and history paper. And uh, she's like, deal. Like, why? To me, that was very sudden. Like, she hated the guy. That's why mm -hmm. she stormed me out of the house, and now she's begging him to take karate. Like, I guess it's another example of them stealing directly from the first movie. Yeah. Because it's like, Daniel really wanted to learn karate and basically begged uh, Miyagi to teach him until he finally did. But it was clear, like, from the very beginning, Miyagi came here. He, he sees her get mad at her grandma, and he's like, I'm going to teach that bitch karate. <laughs> Because he sends her grandma away, like like yeah. he wants to fucking babysit. He's an old man, of course. He's 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 bored. Daniel's on in college. We're assuming. Um, I mean, don't you think that's kind of his attentions the whole time? He's like troubled teen. Yep. I teach karate. Yeah, he's like <laughs> we all know the girl that likes to date like guys who have like a drinking problem or like mental problems because they try to fix them. Like Miyagi's like that with like kids. He's <laughs> yes. like he's like let me find damaged kids, teach them karate. <laughs> Um, and get free work out of them because yes. then he does the saying he's like you know i teach you lesson after you wax car and she's like i'm not waxing your stupid car just like daniel like how lazy can we get with the writing in this goddamn movie um but anyways uh after she starts you know she takes a few lessons or whatever there's um a scene where she goes to feed angel and the security boys 
the fraternity alpha e- elite eagle force or whatever the fuck they are um for some reason they're they're way they're running security at night like this really confused mm-hmm. me they're at the school they weren't suspecting that she would that i mean i think they might have been suspecting someone would be coming in but it's really confusing because they're like if they went to school all day then they're going to be security at night. Like, at what point do they sleep? I mean, in this world, the assholes are always around somehow. Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this time they're not necessarily following yeah. her around. But um, she breaks into school to feed Angel. And we have, like, sort of this big, like, school chase where, you know, they try to corner her. And she uses, like, karate, like, kick him in the nuts or something stupid. And, like, running back and forth, back and forth. But anyways... um. She gets away from the guy. She's running and she does something really stupid. She sees the police coming down the street and she doesn't run the other way. Like this is the first time we've actually seen cops in the Karate Kid franchise. I guess we can't fault her for running to them, but of course she runs to them. And that's where um, that uh, Dugan, the big principal type guy at the school is. And uh, he's like out there with the cops and it's like, we got you. You're busted. Yeah. Um, and we, we do like earlier in the movie, there's a scene where Miyagi, I sort of forgot about Miyagi, shows up to the school to pick up Julie and he meets Dugan. And of course, Dugan's like, get out of here, you little Asian guy or something mean. He's like split before I put you on your butt or something just corny. And of course, Miyagi's like, me not scared of you. Miyagi not scared of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just sort of they have their like first confrontation where Miyagi's being his like you know cocky self as always but um uh, i was gonna say also when she runs out into the street and what's hits by the pizza car she yells at miyagi's like you can't even speak english or something like racist like you know yeah, how, how can you <laughs> tell me what to do you can you can't even really you can barely speak english but she's very fluent in english right he just has an accent so right. like she needs to fuck off he basically just like speaks third person yeah <laughs> but um and to me it's like not even like a language thing it's just because he's so awesome like if i was mm-hmm. miyagi i would probably oh yeah refer to myself as miyagi too yeah um but anyway she gets busted by the police and school security so they decide this is her third strike they um suspend her for like two weeks so as a reward <laughs> miyagi's like hey let's go on a road trip um, I have yeah. to introduce you to some friends. So they go on this road trip. They stop at this gas station that looks like something from, uh, I don't know, Wrong Turn or, uh, you know, whatever. The Hills Have Eyes. And, of course, um, Julie goes in to get two chocolate almond bars and to pay for the gas. Uh, Miyagi, in this scene to me, seemed like he was just um, instigating because it's like yeah. he could have easily just gone and paid for the gas, but he's like, "Let me send a pretty girl into this redneck gas station and see what happens." Mm-hmm. Of course, they're like, "Yo, you got a pretty mouth, girl!" Like trying to grab on her, and they're asking, you know, what his deal is. And of course, Miyagi is forced to kick all their asses. Well, there's a dog. Like, yeah, that dog? was really stupid. A yeah, do- the dog, a Doberman. Yeah, Doberman is like barking at her, and she's like blocking the the exit and she's obviously scared and they're just laughing at her being scared and Miyagi comes in and with his magic powers gets the call the dog to calm down 
and, and those guys get offended. Yeah, so so she she throw my dog into a pussy. Yeah, so she walks out. It's like, what you do to my dog? My dog's not mean anymore. And then that's when the fight breaks out. It's, it's so like it's, yeah, the dumbest thing. Yeah, it's like they're mad because the dog wasn't attacking this girl. <laughs> like yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> like how do they even know like Miyagi like if they wouldn't have said anything I would just assume the dog didn't have anything against Miyagi like some dogs maybe Julie seemed threatening or she mm-hmm. you know when dogs can sense when you're scared so like and Miyagi showed dominance right he was just like hey you stop kind right. of whatever he's like hey, hey. and he's like oh, okay I'll listen right and the dog listened and now it's like you've ruined my my guard dog he's not gonna rape women anymore <laughs> You crazy old Asian man, let's fight in the parking lot. And of course, at this point, um, Pat Morita, I mean, he's never been very quick in these movies, but god damn, these fights are sad. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, the, you can tell they don't use a double, a stunt double in a lot of the scenes, and it's like, he is slow as fuck, like, I could dodge this shit. But anyways, he beats up all these rednecks at the gas station. That was sort of an unnecessary scene, but like, I think a scene where it's supposed to show julie like her first glimpse that miyagi is actually badass uh-huh. she's like whoa miyagi i can't believe you did that <laughs> um and so they're on their journey their little road trip and they go visit like a monk what do you call those a, a monk home i don't know what you call <laughs> oh i'm sorry yeah i don't know what they're called either um, a monk um village yeah, a monastery, that's what monastery. it is. A Buddhist monastery to teach her the true ways of karate and how to handle her anger issues because she's got a short fuse. Um, so I guess, like I said, a reward for getting suspended. She gets a really cool trip. Yeah. And this might be some of the worst stuff in the movie. Oh, yeah, it's cheesy as fuck. Yeah, we're we'll get into that real quick. Um, but let's take a short break to hear from the Prescribed Films Podcast Network and the awesome shows over there, and then we'll be right back to talk about these awful monk scenes. Yeah. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so we get to this Buddhist monastery and, um, you know, it's like this huge gate and um, Miyagi has to knock on it and wait and they come and they make a big deal that she gets to go in here, which I don't know much about that culture, but it seemed like would they really let like a teenage girl in Mm -hmm. like a crop top in? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the whole point of the scene is in the 90s. It was supposed to be really funny, like Mm -hmm. she's a big contrast to them like these are old bald asian men and she's like a young hip uh cute girl yeah with anger issues and they're like the most peaceful humans alive um so we get a lot of true corniness in here like 
uh, Miyagi takes her to a barn and like a monk drops a bag of sand on her and she's like, hey, how could you do that? Why would you do that? It, oh, she's so obnoxious. Yeah, she has a lot of like just in this in this she's supposed to just be obnoxious, but it's like overacted, uh-huh. overwritten um, that her character is just like totally clueless mm-hmm. uh there's like a scene where they're all eating and there's a cockroach on the table and she like grabs her shoe to smash it and right at the last minute a monk blocks her and then they all get up and leave and she's like what it was a cockroach you're like don't act like you've never killed a cockroach it's like do you not understand what a monk is yeah. like anyone read the room right yeah like they're all very she goes down when miyagi is meditating she's like Miyagi, Earth to Miyagi, hello, are you in there? Like, have you never heard of meditating? Jesus oh Christ. And actually, that scene was very bizarre. She woke up and she was like, act like she was like scared. Like, where am I? And then she like ran around, Miyagi, and like just disrupting everything. And then she finds him and she's like, I'm bored. What you doing? Right. <laughs> she like, had what? no no reason to need him. Yeah. Like, or panic and scream. Yeah. Bloody murder. Yeah, there's and they have this big Zen garden um, and they have two rocks on it. One represents like Japan and one's like, I don't remember, Okinawa or something mm-hmm. or I don't even remember what they were. I'm probably getting it wrong. But this the idea is is once again, stealing from the first movie is the uh, chopstick thing. It's like, you know, if you can jump from this rock to that rock, you can accomplish anything sort of uh, thing. And it's like. It you know it looks deceivingly easy, and of course, I I mean, Hillary Swank is a good actress, but in this scene, it's pretty awful. Like she's uh-huh. supposed to be like stumbling, trying to get from one rock to the other, and it's hard to fail at an easy thing. So it's like she she keeps like falling, and, her, and it's like really bad, like really fake looking. Yeah, like I'm I'm sure it it's it is harder than it looks, but it's like I feel like. As a child, I did that shit so many times. Just jump from one rock to the other, doing kicks, and it's they just made it. Just yeah, I don't know. It's hard to believe. Like it's like, is this really a challenge? Right. <laughs> oh no. And you know, yeah, he's watching her, and he's, it's the idea is that he's teaching her patience. Um, there's not as much of the old like symbolism as there was in the other movies, where it's like. You know, Daniel had to sand the entire deck and now he learns how to block. Uh-huh. This is like you learn from to jump from one rock into the other. So you learn how to jump. Like, I don't know. There's, yeah. there's not a lot like the whole symbolism of like jumping from one country to the other or something, um, I guess, was supposed to teach her patience because she's um, short tempered and doesn't like to take time or care on things. So it's like keep at it and you'll you'll get rewarded by getting on another rock i don't know um but there's some really like i said some really bad shit in here after the whole um oh this this scene is so fucking cringy after the whole cockroach thing one day she wakes up and she's running in a field and she finds a praying mantis oh my god yeah and she like holds it in her hands and runs all the way back to the village like such a goofy run too right she's like like a a stupid little child like yeah i can't believe i found a primates and she uh pulls it from like a weed where it was enjoying itself where it <laughs> wanted to be pulls it out of her into her hands carries it across the village to a random monk and she's like 
Look what I found. It's like, sorry about what I did, but look, I pulled this from its natural habitat. Yeah, it's like, sorry I tried to kill a cockroach, but I stole another bug from its home. I hope this makes up for it. And the monk is like very excited, like, neat, cool, and he puts it in a tree. It's like... Yeah, and then somehow it's like, okay... We're good all, now. Yeah, it's good. Like, how... I mean, I could understand if... I don't know, how do you write in, like, them to forget, like... I mean, I guess she couldn't, like, save a, a fucking bug or something, but, like, there's just... Imagine she had, like, goes on this mission to save a bug from being killed. Yeah, like, she jumps in front of a moving car for, like, for, like, a ant or something stupid, but, um, it's just, like, so stupid, like, it doesn't, what is this, like, you, you didn't do anything, you just found a praying mantis. Yeah. And you try, if anything, you didn't just leave it alone, like, you... Is still not following. And their... you're like, look. Yeah, look what I found. And it's like very nice, sweetie. Wow, yeah. let's put the, put, put it, it in up. a tree and let it go. <laughs> like like you're six years old. And you're <laughs> teaching kids not to kill things. Um, and then the I think maybe the worst scene in the entire movie oh. would you say is she's in the like training hall, rec hall, whatever, uh-huh. listening to the cranberries. Yeah. Dun. Or yeah. however it starts. <laughs> Stronger every way. And she's and practicing her karate moves. Yeah, her dance karate moves. And uh, what happens? The monks and Miyagi walk in. And she's like, oh my god, I'm sorry. I thought everybody was sleeping. It's like, I was like, yeah, they were sleeping. And then you started blaring music, you dummy. I'm really sorry. I thought you guys were asleep. I'm out of here. I'll get out of here right away. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Miyagi. What's going on? Nothing. Just monks having a good time. I thought that they were supposed to be spiritual leaders. Never trust spiritual leader who cannot dance. Which, <laughs> real quick, we forgot some of the worst scenes at the beginning of the movie where she's like upstairs in the house, Miyagi's sleeping downstairs, and she's blasting like heavy oh, metal God. music. And Miyagi's like, whoa. Yeah, Ma- Miyagi wakes up and it does like a typical boomer in a movie, and he's like, Whoa, loud music and he puts cotton balls in his ears like it's 1923 and there was also uh a scene where she's in her bedroom changing miyagi walks in he's like oh sorry it's different with danielson yeah it's like you just walked in on him changing he, it's like that's weird no because the second movie starts off with daniel in the shower as miyagi's standing there with him so oh, yeah. yeah yeah i questioned how weird that was in that movie and now he, he walks into her she's wearing a bra and he's like Oh, Miyagi, so sorry. I used to be able to jerk off Daniel. Uh, <laughs> it's like, this is why you don't leave old men with young girls. Young and, girls that yeah. you don't know that well. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and so this is sort of harkens back to that scene where they're like listening to the cranberries. And then she's so worried, you know, sorry, I thought you guys were sleeping. And they come in and they do like the dosi do Yeah, the monks start dancing. It's supposed to be like hilarious. It's like, oh, they're having fun. And she's like, she's asking Miyagi. It's like, as they're starting to like do this lame dance, 
He's like, what, what's happening? He's like, they're just dancing to your music. Like, like monks like to have fun sometimes and let loose. Yeah, doing... it's like, oh, they're bonding because they're they're all enjoying this music. Yeah, and it's oh, it's just so cringy. It's like, at you know, very 90s thing where it's like, this was supposed to be like the radical alternative music. Yeah. The cranberries. It's like, you did, couldn't even choose like zombie or, or something. <sighs> you chose like their most quiet song. And uh, they're slowly, da- like they're doing a spin around dance and it's just so corny. And it's like, look, they're all like, the monks have fun too. Oh. Um, and then we do get like a training sequence where like Julie goes into back into the barn and they drop like, a bag of sand and she defends it and like kicks it and she's like i'm really good now again and just like um where daniel almost gets to hook through him in the karate kid part uh-huh. two like three more monks drop b- bags of sand and hit her and she learns like, she's like hey Ooh. <laughs> just her reaction she's like so bratty Liliana. yeah uh <laughs> and so you know then he like blindfolds her and she's uh, as obnoxious as can be like how can I, just like Daniel, how can I defend myself if I can't see? Like, we've seen all this already. This is like mm-hmm. a reboot of the first movie. So hardcore. They're just ripping st- scenes straight from it. And the monks are getting, just getting kind of sillier and sillier. It's yeah. Just, they become like comic relief at yeah. this point. Like, And there's like a, a, a fat, funny one. And, yeah, like oh. a, a really skinny, really old one. Uh, yeah, so. Oh, the, and it's like they we find out it's her birthday, so they bring in a cake mm-hmm. uh, and have her make one wish. And this fucking idiot, she tells him her wish right away. And it's like, one, you never tell the wish. That's yeah. the one thing about blowing out the candles. You never tell the wish. Um, and she's like, my wish is that you guys would come visit us in Boston. And right away, Nikki groan and was like, oh, we're getting a monks in Boston scene. Great. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just like, the typical like um what you want to call fish it fish out of water fish out of water scene yes we just saw it coming from a million miles away and they're like mm, okay and then <laughs> um the gift was a bow and arrow oh yeah i forgot that oh. explain that yeah it's like the, the they gave her like a bow and arrow arrow and like the, they demonstrated with like one of the monks Pulling the arrow at Miyagi, who catches it before it hits his chest. Yeah, so they make Miyagi go to the end of a, the barn or wherever they yeah. are trained and stand there while they shoot an arrow at him, try to kill him, and he catches it. It's like, this is a gift? And H- happy birthday, we almost killed your, your adult um, legal guardian. Yeah, and then the she keeps a bow and arrow, and I don't think it ever comes up ever again. Um, just, when, I mean, spoiler, when she shoots Angel with it later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just like. Yeah, it has no point at all. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. So, I don't know. So eventually, like this, before she get, goes away to the, or she calls actually from the, like she breaks out of the monastery and finds a payphone to call uh, her boyfriend, Eric. And, um. He she basically before she left begged him like please take care of Angel and he's like, uh you know being very re- too relaxed about it he's like yeah sure whatever it's a hawk uh what do they eat mice or something like whatever and she's like listen like he she eats on this every other day at this time whatever and he's like sure and I'm like 
I know this is not going to work out well because uh, no one ever fucking listens when this type of stuff happens. But she does a really mean and I think uh, selfish thing. She calls the school and lies and tells them that it's her that she's his mom. Yeah. So, so he's in like a class uh, and that dickhead, um, whatever his name is, Michael Ironside's character, uh, Dugan, is the most strict asshole and he's really trying to get um, Dugan's recommend letter of recommendation from Dugan so he can get into the air force. And uh, Dugan's like, you know, the teacher's like, Hey, uh, your mom's on the phone. It's an emergency. And Dugan's like, if you go talk to your mother, you can kiss that letter of recommendation. Goodbye. Which is just like, yeah, what the fuck? What a dickhead. But he just, Eric decides like, fuck it. Like we learn earlier, you know, that he's, his dad left so he's probably worried like he's he cares about his mom but julie like played to that like weakness knowing mm-hmm. that and is like um i'm his mom and then she's like selfishly like so how's angel and, and eric's not even mad and he's like oh it's you it's like you just like got him in trouble you got like you potentially ruined his future to check on your fucking bird your only friend you fucking loser bitch <laughs> I guess she has monks now, like old, old men. She has the biggest re- fucking reject group of friends ever uh, for a 16 year old girl. She's such a loser. Um, she's got a Miyagi, a bunch of monks and a fucking bird. Hey, it'd be cool to be friends with Miyagi. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Miyagi. Cool. But like her be- other best friends, a fat monk and a bird. So um, <laughs> she fat monk bird yeah and you know he's like nonchalant about it like all right cool <laughs> like he, he's you know i'm sure if he's in high school he's like well hopefully i get some pussy out of this or something but um he's like angel's fine you know i've been feeding angel yeah whatever uh cool and so we flash forward she's done with the you know monastery goes back to school um and she uh, i'm trying to figure out oh she goes up to check on angel i think right mm-hmm. and uh angel's not there just she realizes that angel um was found by ned who reported it to animal control so she just casually walks into like animal control or the pound or whatever yeah they, they like took angel to the pound like i guess you call it animal control but it's a wild bird like you think they would just be like uh open the cage door and let it go well if it can't fly i could see somebody taking it to like a rescue right but they take it to like the dog oh, pound or and something. She, then she goes to pick it up like, like she, that's you don't own it you don't own it and you I'm pretty sure you can't legally have it right it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's like a it's a fucking wild hawk like you don't have i mean i know you can't just pretend like they know that you've been taking care of it like how does mm-hmm. it it just it doesn't make any sense like Miyagi takes her there and he's like, let's go get your goddamn bird. Uh, they go and they come out with the bird and it's wearing like the, the most ridiculous cast on its wing. It's like, it's not even like hardly cast, like some gauze. You're right. <laughs> like how, who, who set the wing? Like if a bird breaks its wing, you need like yeah. a professional that can um, fix it and actually mend it, you know, yeah. and take care of it. And she is not she a put vet. Some gauze over it. She's like, here's a bandaid. Uh, Angel, hope you can fly again. Endangered species. But um, of course we have like, kind of hope you don't. Cause then who am I going to talk to? Right. Like, <laughs> She's, I think she's pretty much like hoping this bird can never fly again because she has no friends. But uh, <laughs> Miyagi's like, let's do the right thing and it's time to let Angel go. And she's like, 
but I'm a loser and I can't let this bird go. And Miyagi's like, dude, we got to let it. You're you got to let this thing go. It's sad at this point. Um, this bird is being held against its will. It's been to and from the pound. Like it's a fucking hawk. Let it fly. So they take it to like Miyagi has some special place, of course, probably mm. where the bon- bonsai grow or something. And I don't even know why he knows like anywhere in Boston. He's this is the first time he's been there. That's what I was thinking. It's like and I don't know why this is weird that the movie's taking place in Boston when it's been in California. And, right. Yeah, you would know. think. Yeah. Like my assumption at the beginning, like that he would take her to California where yeah. his dojo is, where everything mm-hmm. he owns is like. To send the woman he just met there so he could be with her gra- her granddaughter alone is just so weird. Yeah, it's a very weird plot. But uh, anyways, um, they take Angel to out into the country and they put her out of her misery. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Miyagi does the most dumb bullshit ever. He rubs his hands together, does that magic and touches the bird, <laughs> takes the gauze off and the bird flies. Angel flies. But then she comes right back. She, she flies and does a loop and comes back like, psych, I'm your best friend. I won't leave you. And then she does. Yeah. And it's like, no, you gotta go. Like the bird understands. Like, and yeah, leaves. I sort of wanted it to be a Harry and the Henderson's uh, story where <laughs> she has to physically punch the bird like, go, Angel. Uh, that's always such a hard scene for me in Harry and the Henderson's. Mm, I feel like I've had to do that to some like ex-boyfriends and stuff. Do, do you remember the scene <laughs> I'm talking about, though? Right? Oh, yeah. It's so sad it's in so Harry and the Henderson's. He doesn't understand why he has to And leave. Harry's like looking over his shoulder. He's like, but I want to be with your family. And he's like, don't you understand? We hate you. And he punches oh, him. I know. And it's like, <laughs> the fucking worst. but anyways, um, they don't do that to Angel. Um, Angel, after her, Andrew, understand. yeah, Angel's, Angel's like, wait, um, I don't want to hear any more of your high school drama bullshit. So I'm out. Peace. And Angel flies away. And uh, now Julie's left with no friends. Um, but what happens next is a uh, big deal. Like she decides that. Uh, she wants to go to prom, so but she can't dance. She's worried she can't dance. She wants to go to prom with Eric. So we get a reverse. Like, I think I don't remember if Miyagi t- he did buy Daniel like that blue tux or let him wear yeah. whatever. But, oh, my God. This is a ripoff. Right. But this was like a sort of another fish out of water scene. It's so un Miyagi like. They they send Miyagi to like Rodeo Drive, the, the like the mm-hmm. basically like the Beverly Hills of Boston in this like rich neighborhood, and they're like, let's put him in a ritzy in a ritzy dress shop, and let's see how Miyagi does. And he goes in, and he's like, I'm looking for prom dress for the young girl. Yeah, it's like, not for me, no young girl. Yeah, and the the sales lady's like, well, is she tall or short? And he's like, oh, she's she, Miyagi thinks she's sort of tall, sort of short. Uh, not skinny, not fat. It's she's like, skinny. She's very skinny, but it's like, but she's not ninety skinny. and I mean that's nineties is heroin. Right, but it's like it's so stupid. It's like he he basically tells them nothing, and he yeah. comes home with a perfectly fitting like dress like, that she likes because Miyagi's good at everything always forever. Mm-hmm. He can even fucking guess sizes and pick out dresses. Um, but of course he uses karate like. We get the whole, um, you know, wax on, wax off to block kicks. Well, Julie uses her fucking karate to learn the waltz, which is yes. so stupid. No, what teenagers are doing the 
fucking waltz. Yeah. Ugh. So she she is doing the waltz in the living room with Miyagi. He's teaching her to dance, and then she's like, oh, I don't have a dress. And he's like, you know, Miyagi went dress shopping, shows it to her. She loves it. Uh, and they uh, decide that, you know, she's like, let's do it. Um, but um, I think maybe before this, uh, yeah, we, we get the, or no, right around here, we get the scene where the monks... Um, show up from Boston in like a Volkswagen bus. Yes, and it's like doop 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 yeah. doop Yeah, very corny like clown car type scene where they show up and it's like one, how did they get a Volkswagen van like the, I don't yeah, know. And, uh, and they all travel in it all the way to, we don't know where they were at anyways, but they travel make this road trip to Boston. Uh, meanwhile, her grandma somewhere and it's like Oh, I hope you don't mind. We're having an entire fucking monastery stay at the house. Um, but the monks are like staying at the house and they're, you know, doing their monk bullshit. And they're like, mm-hmm. you know, looking around at houses like they, they're, you know. Yeah, like they've never seen a house. Right. They're like, oh, what's all this stuff? Um, just a lot of corny, like fish out of water horse shit. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's. Pretty, pretty corny. Yeah, and then finally. Oh, I yeah. They, uh, there yeah. I forgot the ones uh, the other scene. They go bowling with Miyagi. Yes. Yeah, this is really really corny. Um, the monks go bowling with Miyagi. Once and, she gets to prom, they go bowling. Yeah, she she goes to prom, and of course, like her date shows. Eric shows up at the door, and he's like, a monk v- answers the door, and he's like, uh, I'm here for Julie, dude. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Uh, Master Julie. Julie-san, Julie-san, and, you know, it's, like, the whole, like, date really confused when he shows up to the house full of monks and Miyagi, like, uh, you don't think, why did not she not mention any of this to Eric if that's her boyfriend, but anyways, um, you know, they're, like, so proud of her and, you know, whatever, and she comes down and she's gorgeous, and it's, like, uh, I think Miyagi's holding a knife, which is very uncharacteristic of Miyagi, he's holding, like, a knife with, like, a vegetable on it, He's he's cutting zucchini or something, and he's like, have Julie-san home by 10 p.m., and he's like, well, the prom ends at midnight, and he's like, so when will you have her back by? And he's like, 1 a.m., and he's like, what are you going to be doing from 12 to 1? And there's like this awkward silence. It's like, uh, because you know he's like trying to score. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Miyagi's like, be nice to her from 12 to 1 or something stupid. Uh basically like go get some bro yeah. <laughs> um, but she goes to prom meanwhile we have a really corny fish out of water scene where the monks and um miyagi go bowling and they've never gone bowling of course um so why not take them bowling i guess i don't know to have a, a comic relief scene yeah um and they're right next to a bunch of white male American, all American fat idiot men who just the kind of stereotypical men that bowl, mm-hmm. um, sad, angry white husbands. And uh, it's like, you know, they're bowling and they're sort of like making fun of the monks or whatever. And they don't understand mm-hmm. like. I forget how it even escalates, but it's like, you know, you well, want to make monk, a bet. One monk almost grabbed the 
Oh, uh, yeah. One guy's bowling ball. He's like, don't you touch that ball. Don't you know about that ball and who I am? <laughs> yeah, typical, like, macho idiot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they make a, like, a friendly bet. Like, Miyagi's like, I bet we can beat you guys or whatever. He's and, hustling and, again. Yeah, Miyagi always fucking hustles. Miyagi hustles him just like the glass breaking scene uh-huh. or, or the ice breaking scene in, in Karate Kid 2 or any of these things that he puts Daniel in. Um, the monks have never bowled, but guess what? You can, you with the power that monks have, they can will the ball wherever they want oh through my. their mind. There's even a scene where they throw it down the gutter and he pulls it out of the gutter with his brain and makes a strike. You really want to do this? Don't touch this ball, all right? This ball costs serious money. Sorry. Don't understand English. Look, don't talk either. Now, what the problem? Don't breathe. Don't move. I don't want any distractions. Perhaps we can make a small contest. Oh, say a uh, buck a point? Just a minute. <laughs> Do you believe these guys? Hey, contest covered. Zen bowling. No have to see pins, only have to think about target. It's just oh it's so corny. And there's like scenes where, you know, the eventually what happens is the American dudes are like so impressed by the monks are having so much fun. Like they get hustled, but then they're just like all having a blast. Like the whole the whole audience is or the whole crowd that's watching is like rooting for the monks at this point because they're just amazed by their um, mind powers or whatever horse shit they're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to skip back. Just there's a scene I kind of wasn't completely paid attention at this part um but it's also really corny very very 90s is where they're at the house miyagi and julie um it's julia or julie julie okay julie and he has like these neighbor kids oh god coming after her with nerf guns okay so yeah, um, she wants to buy a, a prom. I think it's when she wants to pay for a prom dress or something. Mm-hmm. She needs money, basically. She asked Miyagi if she can borrow money. Um, and he's like, uh, no need to borrow Miyagi money. Uh, Miyagi, get Julie job. And she's like, what? And it's like, kids across the street need babysitter. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. I, 
And so he... How did he pull... What? He walked across the street to neighbors that he doesn't know. And be like, hey, can this... So I'm watching this girl I just met. Um, yeah, and, and I'm she... teaching her karate because she has anger and violence problems. And her only friend is a bird. Do you think... Uh, <laughs> You trust her with your, your three children? Yeah, she needs a job so she can buy, buy a prom dress. <laughs> and they're like, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. We don't know you, but um, but you'd think that they would know Julie, like, in a ritzy neighborhood like that. But And if they is did this, know Julie, they would not trust her because this, she's a fucking lunatic with a bird for a friend. It's just getting ridiculous. Like, Miyagi just has too many co- networks and connections and knows all these trades and how to hustle people. It's just like, you're a con artist, aren't you? Yeah. And <laughs> like, this, what the fuck? And this scene was completely <laughs> unnecessary. Just a funny, like, it's supposed to be a um, comic scene of the 90s. He puts her in his house with these kids. And they're at first, they're like, you know, another fish out of water where Julie's like, I don't know how to take care of kids. And the kids are like, you know, we want to raise hell. And they're shooting her with yes. Nerf guns in slow motion. Oh, and it's even worse because... They're sitting around and they don't have anything to do. And um, Miyagi shows up at the door and knocks on the door. And she's like, what are you doing here, Miyagi? And he's like, I brought basket with Nerf football and Frisbee and Nerf guns just to, like, torture her, basically. And they start having, you know, they're really annoying her and shooting her with darts and, and raising hell. And then, you know, eventually she turns her like she comes around and she does it right back to them. And I, it was supposed to be some kind of lesson because she, at the end of the night, she's like, you, you knew what was going to, you knew that was going to happen. You knew uh, mm-hmm. that's how it would end or something. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? What did she learn? I don't know how to. Like, there was supposed to be some, kids, there was supposed know. to be some kind of lesson she learned in this scene. And I don't, I did not catch that. Like. There was there was supposed to be more to it than like her earning money. There was it was supposed to be a Miyagiism where like mm-hmm. she turned like, now she knows how to shoot Nerf guns. I don't know like some uh, it just was really stupid. But yeah, um, it was so corny because there's like slow motion shots of kids like running and shooting darts, and she's like pretending to read the newspaper on the the <laughs> sofa, and they come in and she drops a newspaper and she has a Nerf gun and she gets them and it's like mm-hmm. it, maybe that was a lesson that she like knew how to play like 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 possum or something you know like i'm just reading newspaper oh i got you i don't know attack her opponents i don't know what she's supposed to learn here but it was so bad but let's get go back to uh prom night yeah so they get to prom and they're having a pretty good time and what happens i don't know yeah yeah it does not okay so they're on the dance floor and they're having a good time and they're doing the waltz because it's 1994 um as you do at the high school prom and um you look over and there's like it's this really nice building which you know Mm -hmm. it's a private school so it makes sense but there's this like little balcony and that um dugan the bald michael ironside character is like hanging out on the balcony looking down because now he has a vendetta against eric because Eric answered the phone for his mom. Apparently that's yeah. enough to hate him for life and want to ruin everything. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Um, he has it out for him now. And that's all it takes is, you know, taking an emergency call from your mother. Because at this point, he doesn't even know it was Julie. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's sort of looking over the whole dance like he's got this evil plan. And do you want to try to explain? So those 
Nazi guys. The, yeah, the uh, fraternity boys, the security guard fraternity Nazi they douchebag thirty year olds. Bungee jump into the prom from the rafters. From the rafters, and one hits like a gazebo thing and hurts himself. He, yeah, they jump down <laughs> recklessly for no reason. I guess it was a display of coolness. I don't know. Yeah, and they're like, and it was just like, um. Telling this dude, like, we're brave. You wouldn't do that. It's like, what? What, what did you do? Why did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> it's more like a prank, like, almost like a jackass stunt. But it's not even a prank because it's not funny. Like, it's just they, weird. They're all dressed in all black, like, military garb, like they're in the Secret Service. They're hanging out in the rafters of the... It looks sort of like a gymnasium, but it's a big building. They're losers. They don't have dates, so yeah. let's put that in so there. So their feet are, like, tied up like a typical bungee jump. All three of them jump in a row down into like the prom, um, but the one in the middle, like you said, was is poorly planned because, and it's really a really bad shot from like just a filmmaking perspective. Uh-huh. It's a slow. They show they film it obviously in like normal, and then they slow it down. Which and so looks, it's like it looks horrible. Yeah, it's like '90s TV, like horrible, like mm-hmm. um, Walker Texas Ranger horrible, and it's like slowly comes down, and he like hits the corner of the like this gazebo with his shoulder or something mm-hmm. and breaks it and that's supposed to be like a dramatic moment for us the audience it's but like, we don't know what the fuck is happening it's like why it's like what wait what are who are these guys okay it's them so what were they doing like we had to like stop the movie and try to figure out <gasps> if we missed something why they were doing like they were trying to sabotage the prom i guess yeah and but then- they they were supposed to if this went to plan they would jump down bungee up and down a few times and then unhook themselves and everybody be like hey they bungeed into prom anyways <laughs> back to dancing back, back to, to the do, waltz. back to the waltz um but he hurts his shoulder and of course eric goes over and he, and they're like eric you know is sort of the whole cobra kai thing where like someone leaves and they're like you know you you pussy uh you you weren't strong enough to be in cobra kai they're like Hey man, like you mm-hmm. took a call from your mom, so you don't want to be in our gang anymore, our yeah. fraternity. Maybe it was like a, I don't know, like a fraternity initiation, prank, initiation something. Thing? Yeah, they don't, never explain that, it. That makes the most sense. Yeah, but it's to bungee jump into prom. Into prom, which like cool dude. Yeah, and so he hits <laughs> the the one like, I think the the one that's supposed to be sort of sympathetic in this group mm-hmm. hits his shoulder. And Eric's like, look what you did, guys. Like, you you made this guy do it, and now he's, like, broke his arm. Your your guy has a broke arm. Real good move, man. And they're, like, shoving each other, like, whatever, man. Like, we're still cooler than you or whatever. Just a bunch of horse shit. You hurt your friend, though. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, he, he... I don't feel for him, and I, I... Why would he even care? Like, none of this makes any sense. It's... And I, that one guy just wants to fuck Joey and just is mad that Eric, that is, Eric is getting some. Yeah. And it's like, and oh. so, you know, they're they're having this big back and forth. And um, Eric's like, let's get the fuck out of here. And um, we haven't really said earlier in the movie, like there's a scene where Eric's in his car when he has Julie in the car. And when she refuses, she's like, I'm not leaving until you take care of until you d- agree that you won't tell about Angel. Oh. And he's like, you know, my car is like 
the coolest and she's not impressed at all she's like who gives a shit is the car and he's like mm-hmm. well it's like a old camaro or some shit you know and and uh she's like i don't fucking care uh <laughs> and he's like well it's like everything to me and she's like still don't care <laughs> <coughs> but flash forward to now they get in that car and um he's taking her home back to the monks and they park out in front of julie's house and once in true cobra kai fashion which they aren't cobra kai but just, you know, fucking copy of the first movie. They sh- just like Nikki always complains about. They're always around. Yeah. They follow them home. And the dude gets out of the Jeep with a baseball bat and smashes the windows of this precious car. Mm-hmm. And once again, they don't call the cops. No. It's like they follow them. Right. You have. And he, yeah. And he's like, look, man, we got to finish this once and for all. He won't stop if we call the cops like this is his first like act of acting out like. And now he's jumping to like, he'll never leave us alone unless I fight him. Like, mm-hmm. it's one incident besides the bungee jumping thing, which had, really was not any kind of aggression to them. Yeah, and they um, were acting like, like, can't believe you did that to us. Yeah. Like, I can't believe you ruined our personal prom by bungee jumping into it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, they, they kiss outside in the car. Um, and then, you know, yeah, the, the windows happen. So, of course, um, he gets, he's like, makes Julie get out of the car and he's like, I'm going to chase him. So, he takes off after the bad guys. He knows exactly where they're going to, like, the docks or whatever. They're by the river. Um, and, of course, Julie's like, Miyagi, help! Mm-hmm. And Miyagi, of course, is just waiting for this opportunity. Because as much as he says everything's about self-defense, um, especially in this movie, he's always looking for a good fight. Yeah, yeah he's... Uh, I think he's just, with age, just like, I'm just going to fuck everyone up i think it's <laughs> i think it's just poor writing on this end i know but just it, like if, if you want to not think about the writing it's just take and take it seriously it's just miyagi's just it's just gloating yeah so you know she tops in the car and i was sort of hoping some monks would go with them but um the monks are like you know we'll stay back and hang out at the house and uh Miyagi and Do Eric. Do monks even know karate? N- I, I don't know if they... I think there's no inner peace, and that's what Miyagi was trying to, like, yeah. get her to learn. So is, it's like, yeah, this is this is our specialty, so... We're, we're gonna hang back, like, not kill bugs. <laughs> and, when, and when you guys want to chill out, we'll be here. Right. <laughs> we'll be watching, like, TV and eating potato chips and whatever American things do. Bowling <laughs> and hus- yeah, hu- hustling... Hustling fat white men for money at the bowling alley um but (laughs) they uh they miyagi and julie get in the car and they uh go down and you know they show up later but we we flash forward to the docks or i don't even know what you call it um basically i think it's docks Mm -hmm. um but it's just basically this parking lot down by the river where they have this like warehouse and stuff and you know they show up and that dickhead I, I haven't even mentioned his name this besides in the casting so let me scroll up and actually figure out his name i think it's um let's see not eric it must be ned or yeah ned or charlie one of the yeah anyways who cares yeah it must be ned is like the yeah ned is the bad guy um and he uh challenges you know eric to a fight um at the docks that's what it's called uh and when they get there, they find out that Dugan and the Alpha Elite are all there, just like Cobra Kai. Um, and just like in that, that they, car- they catch his 
you know, car that they've already smashed the windows out on fire and they're like, uh, challenge him to a fight and then they just all take turns like three of them beating his ass like mm-hmm. just like cobra kai it's not fair fight they beat his ass uh just complete horseshit um severely beat him up he's on like the verge of dying and then you know <clears throat> julie and miyagi show up and another uncharacteristic thing um after they beat up eric ned is like you know i want to fight julie and it's like at this point they don't even know that Julie does karate. Like, yeah. Like, she hasn't really even done karate. There's almost no karate training in this entire movie. And Ned's like, bring on the woman. I'd like to hit her. Like, <laughs> I can't fuck her, so I might as well beat her. Like, this, this movie has a lot of logistical things. And, of course, um, you know, the uh, bad dude, whatever, Dugan is like, you know, finisher, fighter, whatever. And of course, they start fighting and somehow Julie knows karate now um, because she's had 30 seconds of training and waxed a car or whatever. She uh, goes in and she beats up Ned and beats his ass to the point where it's embarrassing. And then what does Ned do? I don't remember. He grabs a handful of sand and throws it in Julie's eyes so he can beat her up. Um, And yeah, he... uh, ends up using the uh, sand in her face and then um, Julie uses her old karate where she was blindfolded, which Mm -hmm. we got with Daniel in a movie before when, you know, he learned how to kick with like one leg and it's just the same bullshit over and over again. But um, she ends up turning her back on him and ends up uh, beating up uh, Ned. So then Dugan's like grabbing the other guys like you fighter, you fighter. Um, but they all refuse to fight her because just like Crease, I mean, this is like cut and paste from the same fucking script, but worse. Like, if you like Karate Kid, but don't like it being good, watch this movie because it's the same shit, but just not good. <laughs> um, and ba- yeah, basically, you know, they all refuse. And then Miyagi challenges Dugan to a fight. But the thing that was very unchar- uncharacteristic is Julie's like, I think I can fight Ned. Mm-hmm. And Miyagi's like, or um eric's like no don't do it and miyagi's like yeah do it it's like yeah. that's miyagi's like always about self-defense she's like i'm ready he's like yeah you are ready it's yeah. like what what makes her ready right what makes her ready and this is not self-defense like they're uh-huh. not they're not i mean they challenged her but they're not putting their hands mm-hmm. on her or anything like at that point they should have called the cops or taken eric into the like thrown eric in the jeep or the car or whatever they're driving and get him to a hospital and just call the police. And, but I think that logistics is like Dugan somehow has an in on the police. So he would just lie uh, and yeah. say, you know, that cause they were like, it's too bad. You know, he got in a car accident. Like that's how they were trying to cover it. Like yeah. that's how he got hurt. And that's why his car exploded. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, eventually of course we get Miyagi challenges Dugan, uh, to the fight after Dugan, like bullies the rest of the group. Um, Miyagi steps in, um, beats his ass, uh, embarrasses him, and of course the Alpha Elite all abandon Dugan. Um, and then we get one final corny shot where um, Angel is flying freely above the water. Yes. And that's where the movie ends. It finally ends. Yeah, this <laughs> is a true piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, was, it was fun. Yeah, I mean it's bad fun. Like this would be bad fun. I'm I'm 
not I wouldn't be surprised if um Paul Shear and um what's his name did a uh how did this get made on this movie? Yes. Um do we have fun facts or anything? I have a little Jennifer? bit a little bit of trivia on this one. Like I said, it's the first karate kid movie not to be written by Robert Mark Kamen. Um some more trivia. Pat Morita is the only actor to appear in all four of these karate kid films, which you know, we knew that, mm-hmm. um, but e- not even like a background actor or anything. It's just sort of sad. Like this movie, the only connection it has, including like crew is Pat Morita. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, the song fascination that Miyagi um, turns on when he's teaching Julie how to do the waltz is the same song that Johnny and Allie danced to at the country club in their first Karate Kid, and it's playing on the radio in Karate Kid Part 2 when Miyagi mm. and Daniel arrive in Okinawa in that driver, you know, the show's in yeah, his car. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is like, you know, turns back up this song that they've used uh, several times. Uh, Hilary Swank was just 18 when she auditioned to play the orphan Julie, beating out some 500 other hopefuls. Um... Yeah. Does she So she was she was eighteen and Eric was twenty four. Um not quite the gap of Daniel and the girl in Karate Kid Three, which was like ten years. Like sick, yeah. Um Does she have much of a career before this? I don't think so. Not many roles. Mm-hmm. Uh she was not obviously not who she was now, but yeah. at the time she wasn't really a name. Um John G. Avildsen, who directed the first three karate movies, um, was originally slated to direct his fourth Karate Kid movie, but had to drop out in order to make eight seconds. So I'm really curious. I don't think even he could save it because the problem isn't the direction in this movie. It's the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and without, you know, uh, Robert Mark came in to write it. Yeah, it's not. It's just not the same. It's not good. It's like. They copied this, the first Karate Kid movie and pasted it and then just replaced, you know, Daniel with Julie and mm-hmm. put it instead of California's Boston. It's just they tried to just follow those footsteps too closely for me. And just, you know, changing the gender yeah. of the Karate Kid, which, like, I'm all for having, like, f- female leads and everything, but it's kind of... But they used it to basically be, like, a comic relief, like... Oh, Miyagi doesn't know how to... Miyagi, yeah. Miyagi walks in her with a bra on. Like, Miyagi buys her a prom dress. Mm-hmm. Um, they just use it to put Miyagi out of the fish out of water thing. Karate kid, but with a girl! Karate kid with a pussy. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Rodney... Uh, yeah, Rodney Keuwama, who played the heavyset monk, your favorite, with glasses... Um, was also in Karate Kid Part 2 as the villager who offers Sato Saki at the bone dance. So he's like pretty much a little, has a small little extra role in Karate Kid Part 2. Then he comes back and he's gained some weight and looks a little different. Um, The producer, here's one that I found found interesting. We talked a little bit, um, spoiler alert, it's like a little bit lifting of the curtain. Um, We've already recorded three other episodes on the uh cobra kai series one season one two and three so we we do that we actually recorded them well before this one but i'm gonna release these in movie chronological order rather than recording so you have something to look forward to 
but we actually discussed this a little bit in the season three episode. So, and you'll see it in like, you'll, you'll, you'll forget about it by then. But, um, the producers of Cobra Kai, the show in 2018, uh, have discussed the possibility, possibility of Hillary Swank returning as Julie. Um, though as of the third season, it is the only film not referenced yet. John Hurwitz said, and I quote, we always say that our show takes place in the Miyagi verse. In our minds, any story in which Mr. Miyagi was a character with Pat Morita playing Mr. Miyagi, I should say, is canon to our world. The next Karate Kid is part of our universe. We believe that the events of that movie happened. In terms of that movie, it has its pluses and minuses. One of the things that's really special about it is the very early work of Hilary Swank, and she's gone on to be a great one of the great actors in Hollywood. Her performance is great in that movie, and her chemistry with Pat Morita is fantastic, which um, apparently they haven't watched it recently. <laughs> Um, actually it's like fine their chemistry whatever and her performance like I said is annoying and, uh-huh. and whatever but it's not it's because it's written that way like yeah. not, not her performance so much is that her character is the writing of her character fucking sucks do you think they can get Hillary Swank to be on Cobra Kai I don't know like I I can't tell you the last thing I saw her in but she's not the name that she was mm-hmm. five ten years ago um, I always think of the scene in the office where Kevin is arguing, like when they're doing, they're they're having arguments at the office, and it's like, um, who thinks Hillary Swank is hot and who doesn't? And you remember, uh, yeah, Kevin's like, I think she's hot. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, early titles of the film before the next Karate Kid was Young Americans and Kids in America. Hmm. But they went, ended up going with the uh, next Karate Kid, right. which seems like when you when you think about it, it's like really fucking lazy. Like what uh, we're, Karate Kid Part Four? What should call it? I guess just the next Karate Kid. I mean, yeah. it's the next one. So that's a weird Kids of of America. What? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Maybe it was Karate Kids in America. Like I don't, uh, young America. Yeah, I see why they were turned down. Yeah. I don't know, but and of course these all this could be complete bullshit because mm-hmm. I just pulled it off IMDb. But there's not a whole lot about this one because um, I think most people would rather forget it. <laughs> but I know Netflix just dropped it and on there for good reason because uh, you know Cobra Kai has been become like a sleeper hit for them, a huge success. So it's like they want to you know draw as many people into that world. What do you think? Like, do you think? they should bring this canon into Cobra Kai. Like I, we talked a little bit about in, in Cobra Kai season three episode, and we can talk about my, well, if you haven't watched Cobra Kai yet, spoiler alert. Um, but I had a theory that there, there's a character named Tori. And I had a theory that Julie could be her mom because they sort of allude to her mom um having some problems as a young kid and sort of being like her and it just it would line up pretty well Mm -hmm. but what do you like how do you think or do you think they should bring this film into that universe at all or just completely they should at least as a joke like you know like a passing little thing yeah even like a passing little thing but not make it like i mean don't make it a a big plot like a, a um you know, a big storyline. Yeah, because 
in Cobra Kai, they do, you know, it's, it's mostly right away. It's based strongly on the first movie, really, in the beginning of the second. And then it took up to season three for them to finally reference Karate Kid two and three. Very briefly, Karate Kid three. But they've they did dig into Karate Kid part two pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, they could easily just while this film does exist and they say it's canon, they could easily just not reference it because it's it clearly is a sort of black spot in the franchise. It did not perform well. Um, it's not remembered as being a good movie. Um, but then again, it has, you know, had I mean, they they could never get like Walton Goggins in there. You know, he's mm-hmm. too big for Cobra Kai. Um, and he was just like an extra. He would really need to be. But like Michael Ironside, like he's too big for Cobra Kai. Um, you know, like Hillary Swank's probably too big for it. Um, so what do you why even bother? You know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to it'd see. Be fun. I, of course, we would like it because that shows all about like pressing the nostalgia button. Like, remember, like they bring back characters that you see in one scene just to say, like, remember this character? Yeah. I, if I, I would come back to Cobra Kai. Yeah, so that would be fun. Overall, what did you think of this one? How many um, honks do you give it? Oh, Out I, of five. I, I want, I don't give it honks. I need honks. It's negative honks. Yeah, there's a, there is a scene at the end where Miyagi could have given a honk. Oh and what does God. he do? What is, what does he do? And it's not a honk. It was like something really stupid. I don't remember. He like just drops them or something. I don't remember. He could, yeah. I don't know. It's could have gave him a honk. Yeah, but they probably in the nineties were like, "That's so eighties. That's not funny anymore." You, well, you got it. What, what's something cool that we said in the nineties? Um, like forget you. Like talk to the hand. Yeah, talk to the hand. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been really bad. To like to the head. Oh my yeah. god, I can see it. Yeah, Miyagi goes, whatever. <laughs> As if. <laughs> As if. God, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, so overall, what do you rate this one? Fuck it. I mean, is this by far your least favorite so yes. far? Yes. Like, we were, I mean, I think you... Looking back, you said that part two was your probably favorite, then part one, then three, I believe. is. Yeah, and this one is... It's so, for, so far below it's part It's not three. even... Okay, yeah, so you would... Well, I mean, it would make sense to say this is comes fourth on that list, but I'm going to knock it down to eighth. Yeah. There's going to be some an- angry, empty little slots. We, ha- we haven't even seen it. other Karate Kid Right, movies. we haven't even seen it. And but uh-huh. we know that the Jackie Chan version is better <gasps> than this. Yeah, now we have to watch that. Yeah, sometime. it's the only one we haven't watched. We so might we'll, as well. Yeah, eventually to to finish it off, and we have to wait like a year for Cobra Kai season four. <sighs> but uh, and then maybe five and six. Yeah, because they have enough for six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creator said, and Netflix doesn't usually hold on shows that long, but if it does well enough, I think they would hold on. Or another network would pick it up. I mean, it already came from YouTube to mm-hmm. here. But, uh, yeah, I think it would be cool to bring in Julie somehow, or at least, like, you know, if they made Julie, like I said, uh, Tori's mom, then it could be, like, 
we don't even have to see her just be like find out you know mm -hmm. like if she like they could literally like kill her like she's sick and she dies and it's like we find out they just use like newspaper clips or something yeah you know they could be like yeah they just be like yeah my mom julie yeah it's like oh 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 i know who i know who they're talking about but yeah. i would sing but tori is very like much like julie in this movie where you know she's angry at the world and mm -hmm. whatever so it makes sense but uh yeah, we won't waste any more of your time on the next Karate Kid. This was something that I had no idea was so bad. I mean, it's like when I re when I went back and rewatched Three Ninjas, I was like, "Holy fuck, this is awful." Um, oh, I want to watch Three Ninjas. No, you don't. This. Oh, oh, I remember. Oh, the like the alarm they had when the parent would go up the steps and it like would trigger something in the bedrooms and like like parent coming woo, 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 and they would like jump into the bed and act like because it'd be up to no good and they the the three ninjas just be like oh we're just we're in bed sleeping being good kids i wanted that so on today's episode we're talking about <laughs> three ninjas no Sorry. um no that's fine uh <laughs> That's Any, all I remember, really, is how parallel. Before we cl we close out on the next Karate Kid and not Three Ninjas, do you have any thoughts? Any final thoughts? Um, you can't honk because this mm -hmm. had no honks in it. I give it. I give this episode of the podcast the parent alarm from Three Ninjas. Woo 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 woo. I give it to two douchebags bungee jumping at a prom. <laughs> Wasn't it three? Right, but he did yeah. only two douchebags and one injured guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I give them one injured angel bird. <laughs> one is a endangered angel friend bird. Um, Who knows all of Julie's secrets? I give I give it twelve monks up. No. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> this movie uh, fucking sucks. Uh, Fuck you for making. You can't sing too much, or we'll we'll have to pay for rights. No, I'll, I'll put in that. I'll put in that uh, cranberry song. I don't even. I'm pretty sure it's cranberries, but um, it might not even be cranberries. But it, but it's definitely one of those '90s songs uh, that you know, like linger that sticks in your head. So, um, my final thoughts on this movie: fuck this movie, but watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, you'll get yeah. a good laugh at how fucking '90s it is. And uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Um, we'll see you next week with a new episode of First Time Podcast. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.